Amen. How many of you love the presence of the Lord? <laughs> I know I do. Um, um, I, I just enjoy having my own kind of, I love it the, the front because I don't care what anybody else is doing behind me. You might, you might be laughing at me. I don't know. But uh, I just love the presence of the Lord, and I just enjoy just having uh, that time to just worship. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue on this week. We've been going through um, Ephesians chapter 1, verse... Uh, oh, my. I don't have my glasses on. I think that's 15. Yeah, 15 down through 18. So I'm just going to read it. We've already gone through... Uh, a good chunk of this passage. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. I talked to Pastor David when when he kind of first started. And uh, I said, you know what? We should title this. I don't know if you go on our YouTube channel. We want to title this Our Prayer for you. And this is our prayer for you as a pastoral staff, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And my assignment today is that you may know what is the hope of his calling. We've went through several weeks already, and I want to point out a couple, just preliminary couple thoughts I had as I was just thinking about this passage um, over the last few weeks, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And as I, as I was just kind of looking at this passage, I've got three points that I just want to bring out as we get going here. First, his calling, the hope of his calling, it's anchored in the spiritual realm. Hebrews chapter 1 says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Our calling, our hope is anchored not in this natural realm, as human beings, we, we've gotten things backwards. We think everything's about us. About me. About my talents, about my profession, about what I can accumulate. But in reality, our life should be anchored in the eternal realm the heavenly realm, the divine realm. God gives us gifts and talents to to do things on earth here. But really, the hope, our hope is anchored in the eternal realm, the heavenly, heavenly calling. Next, it's his granting unto us. Sometimes we, we can... You know, I went to school, and I really educated myself, and I just increased my talents, and it's all about me and what I can do. And we can, we can leave God behind. But in reality, our hope 
is because he granted that to us. In uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give you. Paul was writing, he's writing to the Ephesians, and, and Paul's, a lot of his ministry, or most of his ministry, was to the, at that time, the Gentile world, which was a lot of the, the Greek, the Greek um, area. And their thinking was all humanistically centered. It was all about them, their strength. They had the Olympic Games, their strength, their knowledge. They studied. They invented. They looked into the natural world. And so he's, he's coming to them, to this, this culture that is built around human, mankind. It's all heavily influenced by their intellectual mind. And he's coming to them and he's saying, you know, the gifts and the talents, the calling, your purpose, you believe and feel that it's wrapped up in this natural world. But in reality, it's about him and him giving you the ability, the talents, the power. And third, it's his calling. How many times do we get, get that mixed up? My calling. I don't know how many of you have heard. I probably have referenced my calling. I know I've, I've probably done it myself, but how many of you have ever heard, I want to discover God's purpose for my life. I want to discover God's will for my life. I always back people up and I say, okay, let's take like the last three or four words of that sentence and just lop them off. And let's go with, I want to discover God's will. Forget the last half of that sentence. Let's discover God's purpose. Because in reality, his calling, his calling is an invitation for us to join him. He doesn't come to us and say, hey, I've got something I wanted you to do for me. No, no. He invites us to come and join him and what he wants to accomplish. It's his calling. Listen to this verse. He saved us, first, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Who saved us, talking about, about God. He saved us and he called us unto a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Which was given unto us in Christ Jesus before, listen to this, before the world began. It's an eternal purpose that he has. It's an eternal calling on your life. To join him. And it's not according to our works, our talents, our abilities, but it's according to his purpose. Paul, in this Ephesian letter, listen to verse 5, chapter 1. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to his pleasure and will. We didn't happen to stumble upon him. 
and find this great purpose in life. No, no. It was his purpose, his will, his pleasure to come and invite us to join him. Amen? Having made known, this is verse 9 in the same chapter, ahead of, just ahead of where we have started this prayer. Verse 9 of chapter 1. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Now that's full of all the words. His pleasure, his purpose, his will. And when we look at the hope of his calling, so many of us look at our lives and say, oh, it really doesn't meet my expectation. And we build hope. Hope really is rooted around the word expectation. And we build our expectations. We build our hope on this natural life, on how much money I can make, what kind of car I can drive, what kind of career I can fit myself into. And, and you know, <laughs> I find myself when I sometimes, uh, well, I'll go with my own children. I say, okay, let's look at the careers out there. Which ones are really hopping right now? And let's fit ourselves. Educate yourself and get into that career so that you can get a good job so that you can earn some money. How many of you have ever looked at life that way? <laughs> now, it's not bad to plan, but, but Proverbs does say, you know, man makes his plans, but God directs our path. So in all of your planning, your budgeting, your looking at life, make sure your hope is rooted, grounded, anchored in God himself. The source of hope. I want to read a few verses on the, the actual source of hope. We give... Uh, I mean. And listen, this is in Colossians. This is Paul writing again. Colossians, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. In all of your, and, and Cleo even mentioned, kind of alluded to it this morning. Can you find his presence in your life? We can go through our day so fast, so busy, so crazy. And we go through life and it kind of, we get to the end of our day. And if we, if we sat down and said, okay, okay, where was God in that? And then before you know it, we're going to bed or we're crashing in front of the TV just to kind of put our mind onto something different and we go to sleep and where has God been? I know I, I can find myself just going through life at 100 miles per hour but I, but I intentionally I've, I've, I've tried and I've learned to intentionally in little things to say 
this week, I took um, Shawneen. We were in Vancouver. Went to some underground parking. We went down five levels. No parking. We got down to the very bottom, and now we got to start working our way back up the five levels to find parking. And uh, there was nothing. So I said, well, Shawneen, she had an appointment. You, you jump out. You start going up. And we're at the very bottom. And I stopped the car right in front of the door to where the elevator is. And probably, I don't know, Shawnee, did you hear me say, Lord, just open up a parking spot for us? Like, we, we didn't find anything. I parked. I stopped. I didn't park. I stopped. She got out the door. And I, and I go to put it in drive. And I watch her sl- shut the door. And, and right there, there's an empty spot. Like, literally, right there where I stopped to drop her off. There's a, I didn't see it as I was driving up to park drop her off. I didn't see it as we were approaching nothing. And it was the smallest, tightest. I had to pull my mirrors in. But I don't know. God must have stopped me because the guy behind me couldn't get it. So I was, I was able just to pull forward and I backed in. And it was a good thing she wasn't in the car because she would not have been able to get out. So God just set me up so perfectly. And I, I just gave God a huge thanksgiving at that point. It was just like, but God is in every little detail if we will open our eyes. If we will just open our eyes and say, Lord, I know you're with me. I want to be sensitive to your plan, your purpose. I want to read what Ephesians says about God's purpose. Because I sat down. I, I, yeah, I probably overthink things, but here we go. This is, this is Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to start in verse 8. To me, which is Paul speaking, the very least of all saints, this grace was given, and this was his grace, to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to enlighten, to open the eyes of all people as to what the plan of the mystery is, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. Now listen to this. So that the multifaceted wisdom of God might now be made known through the church, through us. That the multifaceted wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. This was in accordance, listen to this, this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which God the Father carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom now we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Now, what does that all mean? That God eternally purposed for you and for me to walk by faith in Christ, 
to make known his wisdom, his power, his saving grace to this world, to here and into the heavenly realm, the the spiritual realm, meaning the demonic realm. So if you want to understand your calling, your giftings, your talents, your dream, your stirring in you, your urging in you, what you feel is your calling, look at the eternal purpose of God and fit into that. Now that might be really high level. And this is where Pastor Brenda would look at me and say, so what does that mean? (laughs) Here's what it means. Abraham gets a call. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, left his country. I should back up. I'll back up. First, I want to look at the divine invitation. It's to join him. I want to look at there's three levels of calling because we'll get to the number three. Our first invitation is to salvation. We're invited. We're called to salvation. How many of you heard the scripture? Come now and let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Old Testament scripture, but it's, it's referring to the salvation experience of God coming and making us a new creation, salvation, our first call. Our second calling is to actually live a different lifestyle than the world. It's called sanctification. It's his cleansing work in our lives to renew our minds, make us think differently Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's a different experience than the salvation experience. It's your sanctification process where you become different than your unsaved neighbor. There are some people that, uh, you know, you're saved. You don't need to be really that different, you know. You're saved. You're going to have. No, no. We're called to actually be different. To have a different lifestyle. To think differently. To act differently. To have different attitudes. And, and God comes and he invites us into this sanctification process. That's the second level of calling. And then, then he calls us to a specific purpose in our life. That's that invitation to now join him in what he's doing. That looks different. I, I've, I've always dreamed I wanted, I wanted to have, I wanted to be powerful and mighty. And, and I've raised my family. And I'm going to see them all in heaven. And I look, I say, God, you called me to raise this family. You know what? Pastor Brendan and I, our plan was two children. And we made sure it was going to only be two. And we had them early in our marriage so that when they were 18 and 19, they'd be off to college 
and we'd have an empty nest, and we would travel. That, <laughs> we, I, I say to Pastor Brenda sometimes, I said, God must have been in heaven laughing, just laughing at this, this plan, this little 18-year-old guy. So obviously, I, I wasn't looking at God's purposes. And, and sometimes we stumble along in our humanity, and, and God reveals things as we go along. And awesome. what, what's really funny is I retired at 40, my goal, and we traveled, but it was missions work. So we, we got to travel the world as uh, doing missions and ministry. But, but sometimes it's to be a carpenter. And in that realm, you show the purpose of God. Sometimes it's a lawyer, a doctor. Maybe it's a plumber, electrician. A garage door installer. I'm not going to look. I'm not not preaching at anybody. (laughs) But sometimes we have our vision of our calling. And God has his perspective of his calling. And so sometimes it's a doctor. Maybe it's a missionary. Maybe it's a parent. Do you realize how dearth, which means so few, the, the world is suffering in the idea of the quality of parenthood. Sometimes God's call may be, be a good parent because that child in your home is going to do great things for me. Maybe you're an instrument along the way in shaping and forming that child's life. And maybe, maybe God's call for you is to be that parent that brings stability, brings understanding, brings love. Maybe you're a counselor, a carpenter, an engineer, a pastor. We, we, we've been conditioned to think that only a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist can do the work of the ministry and can fulfill God's call. And yet, a homemaker can be just, is, not just can be, he, she or he in the, nowadays can, is just as called to fulfill the eternal purpose of God. Here's what, here's what this looks like. Through us, the church, individual members, we, we've been called to good works. Ephesians says we are his handiwork. Let me read it so I don't misquote it. I got so many notes here. Okay, here we go. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared in eternity past, beforehand, it says, 
so that we would walk in them. And those good works can happen whether you're a pastor, a homemaker, a teacher, a doctor, an electrician. Wherever you are in life, you can fulfill good works. And what did Jesus say? Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. That's how you can fulfill your or his calling in your life. <laughs> how can you glorify God in your daily life? A second way, revealing Christ. So we have good works, and we have revealing... How do we reveal Christ? Through our love, through our compassion, through showing mercy. Mercy is, is rare these days. Stopping to let somebody cross the street where there's no crosswalk, that's so irritating to me. But I do it, and I and I, you know, the person standing there's no crosswalk, and and they, they want I go like this, and they they say thank you, and it's and how does that make me feel? Pretty good actually. That irritation at first, like come on, there's a there's a crosswalk like a block down there. Go to the crosswalk and do it properly. <laughs> None of you are like that, I know, but but in little things we can reveal. The whole mystery Paul was talking about was the revelation of who Christ really was and how Christ fulfilled the eternal purpose. But in our daily lives, we can reveal Christ through a kind word, through showing some compassion, through caring for somebody, so giving somebody some mercy, showing somebody the way of salvation. We reveal Christ. And the third way that we can just practically fulfill God's purpose is demonstrating his power. That's what Ephesians uh, chapter 3 there says. We reveal his power in our world, but it's really a power in the spiritual realm. When a person gets delivered from some sort of bondage in their life, you are demonstrating the eternal purpose of God to the demonic realm. Satan, called the devil, called the adversary, the thief, the devourer, his job is to kill, steal, kill, destroy. So when you think of Jesus in that passage, he's talking about himself being the good shepherd. The picture that is painted is Jesus says, the adversary, the thief comes to slaughter, to scatter the sheep. It's not a, a, a quiet little hijacking where a thief comes in, sneaks in, carries a sheep away. That's not the picture he's painting. He's painting a picture of slaughter. That is the adversary's goal in our lives. To bring chaos. That's page three of my notes. Where is it? To bring complete 
devastation. When we, re- when we receive his calling, in, in the instant, I actually, I was starting on Abraham and I just totally got sidetracked. In Abraham's case, the promise was the hope. I want to put this, so the hope of his calling, usually there's a promise, there's a dream, there's a word of knowledge, there's, there's some sort of invitation, and it creates in us this expectation. That promise, that call, it creates in us a hope. And Abraham received that call. And God laid out this promise And in his own strength, he could never fulfill it. But we get that call, we get that promise, and we we have such great hope. We have such great... Quite often, it's something that we've even longed for. Maybe in our natural mind, and God comes and confirms that, yes, I birthed that in you. I've birthed something in you. And the adversary's goal is to squash it. He wants to take that call in your life. Not the salvation. Maybe sometimes it's that idea of being a different. But, but you know that purpose. You got saved and you felt this purpose, this hope, this dream, this stirring in you. And Satan's goal is to come and squash it. To destroy it. And it's, it's the picture Jesus has is, is the thief coming in and slaughtering, creating chaos, creating devastation, and wiping out the sheepfold. In, in the book of Ezekiel, there's, there's a picture of the dry bones. Ezekiel 30, 37. Thank you. It says, this picture of the dry bones. And here's, here's what the, dry, the dryness means. All dried up. It means to be ashamed, confused, disappointed. When you look at the Hebrew word for dried up, it talks about shame, disappointment. That's what... The adversary comes. Shame, maybe your past. Guilt, guilt brings shame. Disappointment, you've sensed that urging and you've started out the race strong and you're, you're going for that calling, his calling. And then disappointment hits. Brings confusion. And pretty soon, you're running on your own steam and you start petering out. And you get dry. What, what happens when a plant gets dry? It starts to wither. It starts to wither. Talks about the... the and you got to start thinking in the spiritual realm. The lack of water. What does the water represent? Jesus said, come and drink. That's right. Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, come and drink, get living water, he was talking about the Holy Spirit that would come. And, and so often we start that race. 
We start with such great hope, such great expectation, such great stirring, and then things don't happen the way they should. In Daniel chapter 7, he prophesied about this one that would come and he would wear out the saints of the Holy One. I don't know if you've ever sensed maybe in the last five years maybe a wearing out around you. I, I read, I, I didn't read the article, but I, uh, the headline was 20% of the U.S. population uses uh, some sort of sleeping pill, some sort of medication to help them sleep. What does that say to you? The massive stress levels, the massive guilt levels, the massive disappointment levels, the massive anxiety levels that are, that's hitting the general population. Hope, expectation. People are living paycheck to paycheck, stressed out. Mankind is putting their hope in this natural realm. And believe me, I, I understand the stress of financial situations. But the flip side is, where's your true hope resting? Where is your true hope resting in? Is it in this natural realm? Is it in the things we can see, feel? Because that is, seems so real to us. And Pastor David encouraged us, let's take five minutes every day. I don't know how many of you have taken that challenge. I really endeavor every day to, to do, do at least a five minutes, just in the morning, just to focus. See, understanding his calling, just like in the natural, if I understand I want to be a doctor, guess what it does? It focuses my life. If I want to be a doctor, do you think, do you, can you just imagine some of these students, what they sacrificed they sacrificed friendships. They, they sacrificed junk food. They sacrificed movie night. They sacrificed, sacrificed. Why? Because they had this purpose. They had this hope. They had this expectation. And it caused them to ignore a whole bunch of things, cutting away things in their life to achieve. So I want to encourage you, as Pastor David you take five minutes because when you, if, when you say to God, Lord, I want, to, I want to know your calling today. I accept your invitation to join you. I want to hear your voice today. Open my eyes today. Give me the spirit of wisdom and understanding today. Take five minutes every morning and focus and set a purpose for that day to see something where you can join God in fulfilling his eternal purpose and plan.
Amen? There's nobody in this front row to hold me accountable today. I want to... <clears throat> oh, 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 there... Oh, it's cheaper. I didn't see you guys back there. <laughs> now, did I explain things clearly? Because Pastor Brenda's going to want to know. Because I can go into the Greek and the Hebrew, and I go way up here, and, and then she says, okay, what about practical? Have, have you this morning received something practical that you can walk in his calling to help fulfill his eternal plan and purpose? Amen? One last thing. Is that okay? One last I, I'm so intrigued by Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By it, the, the, um, the men of old received a good report. And then it says, and, and then it says um, by faith we understand. Not, not through this natural world we understand, by faith. What is anchored in the eternal. But here, a lot of our faith is revealed in our natural life. Faith is the substance. When I look at Abraham's life, I, I read through his whole story. Here, here was his substance. You've, you've heard of a person of substance? There's something about it. By faith, when Abraham was called, he, he left his country. He did something. Faith, Without works is. Now, in Romans chapter 4, it, it talks about, well, what, how, did, how did Abraham achieve righteousness before God? And it said, well, it wasn't his works. Okay, so it's, it's not his leaving the country that made him righteous. So it's not our works that make us righteous, but our works comes out of our faith. And it says that Abraham was made righteous by his belief. He believed God and God accounted it to him for righteousness. So what is the substance of your faith? By f here, here, I'm going to give you exactly why. By faith, I come every Sunday morning and I get as close to the front and I worship with all I have because I believe God. I honor God that way. I don't believe that by doing that, somehow, as the Pharisees did, it makes me look good, and somehow I, I earn brownie points with God for my works. But my coming here every Sunday morning and getting up here and singing as loudly and maybe sometimes looking foolish, I do that out of faith. What does your faith make you do? Does your faith make you live differently? Does your faith, the substance, 
make you make actually different decisions about certain activities in your life. That's the substance of your faith. That is, faith is the substance of hope, of things hoped. So this expectation in your life for somehow joining God, fulfilling his eternal purpose, is that making you do something? Something different in your life. It made me raise my children different than some other families. It made me set certain rules and certain standards in my household, our household, Brenda and I. That was the substance. What is your substance? What are you made of? <laughs> are we convinced enough? Here, I want to read you a, just a couple phrases. In, in a, this is about Abraham. Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope. When everything around him looked hopeless, he still hoped. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his only body, his, his body, which was now considered dead. It didn't stop him. When everything in the world seemed against him, in hope, against, one passage says, against all the odds, he still pressed on. Against all the odds, will you continue to press on? In hope against hope. He staggered not at the promise, at the calling. He didn't pack up his bags when he hit 100 years old and didn't have that son that was promised him. And then go back to Ur of the Chaldees. He said, well, I must have heard something wrong. He says, no, he staggered not. Verse 21, it's Romans chapter 4, if you want to see some of these phrases. Being fully persuaded. One of Satan's greatest tactic is to throw some, somehow put doubt in your mind about what you've sensed stirring. That dream that, that was birthed in you, he wants to come and bring doubt. Why? Because he wants to make you stagger. He wants you to kind of lose some of that persuasion that you had. But Abraham, fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. I, I went through, I wrote every time God talked to him. Can you, can you imagine? God, I, I, okay, I'm sorry. I just, this one. Sorry, I, I, I got to read this to you because uh, this is in, in Genesis chapter 17. God said to Abraham, because he had Ishmael, he, he tried things on his own. As for your wife, Sari, because her name wasn't Sarah right away, you shall not call her by the name Sari anymore. But Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Right? He's very clear, God. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, kings, 
of people will come from her. Listen, I don't know if you've ever felt this way. Then Abraham fell on his face. And you know what he did? It wasn't worship. He laughed. (laughs) He was so fully persuaded, so far gone. He he fell on his face and he laughed. (laughs) I sometimes look at, and I, I look at some of the decisions I made based on what I sincerely felt God calling me. At 40, I quit everything. And sometimes I, sometimes I felt, okay, okay, I think I, maybe I heard something wrong. Oh, sorry. Thanks, Bradley. I'm foaming at the mouth. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too, those are watching the video. I'm sorry. But... My own personal life, my financial world didn't turn out the way I thought. I, I retired in 2008 from my day job. And you know what happened in 2008? The money, I, I had quite a bit of money saved up. You know what? It was the world, worst financial disaster in I don't know how many years. And, and a, lot of my, a lot of my security... <laughs> got wiped out. <laughs> uh, in the year that I decided I'm pursuing this call, a lot of my hope disappeared. <laughs> a lot of my confidence disappeared. And different things have happened since 2008. That's 15 years now already. There's different things that have happened. Crazy stuff. Tragic stuff. All kinds of stuff. But I'm fully persuaded. I've, <laughs> I might start crying here. There's been two or three occasions where I've, <clears throat> I've put in job applications. And I hit the send button. And I start crying. <clears throat> because it goes against that call. And I go through these interview processes and I get down to the last two, and I'm, I'm the last two people left standing. And I, I'm like, okay, God, I don't know. And then I don't get the job. That has happened twice where I'm down to two different people, me and one other person, and I don't get the job. But I, I hit that send button with my resume and it's like, it feels so wrong. Because I'm fully persuaded. I've set it up here. I'm 100% in. I don't have a plan B. And sometimes that's really hard. But I'm fully convinced. I'm fully convinced that God is not done with his calling. And I, 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 I look and I, I can't see a clear path forward sometimes. How, how is this dream ever going to happen? 
And then God does something to, to give me another couple years of not having to send the button, hit the send button on my resume. And somehow he gives me another two years of grace to, and I just, I keep living year after year thinking, I don't, I don't know. But every time I have doubt, God comes and he just says, okay, are your kids going to heaven? I say, yeah. Okay, that's, that's perfect. You fulfilled that call of parenthood. And that's as far as I'll get sometimes. It's okay, God. Maybe you called me just to, to have two of my biological children, four adopted kids, and your whole calling for my life was make sure they get to heaven. Because that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> Everything else, how fully persuaded. Where's your hope level this morning? I want to read one last scripture for us to think about as we close. It's under my section called Restoring Hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, (laughs) in having faith like Abraham. I just believed Now may the God of hope, okay, the God of hope, under my section called Sources of Hope, Jesus Christ is our hope. He is the God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you restore hope? taking that five minutes every morning. Say, Holy Spirit, breathe on me. What was the answer for the dry bones? Said, hear the word of the Lord. Okay, that wasn't the answer. They listened to the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord was, I'm going to breathe on you. I'm going to put my breath into you. That's... That's our, our only continuation into this hope process is the Holy Spirit. It's God himself. That's why it's so critical. That's why it's so critical to take that five minutes. You know what's going to happen is those five minutes will become 10, 20, 30. But take, start with five. Take those five minutes in the morning and ask the Holy Spirit, come and breathe. Come and breathe on me. Because your world can fall apart and you can still be full of hope. I am still full of hope. I am still full of hope. I am fully persuaded. I, I, might, I might not see in the natural how it's all going to pan out. But I'm full of hope. I'm fully persuaded. And it's, I truly believe it's because He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High abides under the shadow 
of the Almighty. Maybe You know what? Make that your project this week. It's Psalms 91. It's, it's one of the... Uh, when when I, <laughs> I used to go for a walk every morning, kind of slowed that down a little bit. But I, I actually memorized that chapter, Psalms 91. And it, it was every day. He that dwelleth in... Listen to the, I think, verse 8 or something. It says, um, Because thou hast made the, made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. Listen to this. Because you've made the Most High your habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. You will tread upon the lion and the adder, which is a snake, the young lion and the dragon. Now, what, those are all pictures of you-know-who, right? You will trample under your feet. Pastor Brenda laughs at me because every time I go down the tunnel to go on a plane, I, I arrange all my luggage and everything so that I got my right hand free. And I'm walking through that plane, and I'm midair putting my foot on the plane, and I put my hand on the side of that plane. And you know what I say? I, th- I thank you, Lord, that your angels got me. They've got this plane. Because I used to have a fear of flying, like a serious fear of flying. And now I not bothered a single bit. I take that, I cross the threshold, I put my right hand on the, the plane, and I say, thank you, Lord, that you've given your angels charge over me to protect me, to watch over me, to keep me. And, and they've got this airplane in their hands. Read Psalms 91. Amen. Why don't we all stand? I hope I've made sense this morning. Hope is one of the greatest things that we have. You can have two prisoners, and they've, they've, they've seen this, and I personally don't know too much about the, um, the Vietnam War and stuff, but the two different prisoners. One curled up in a fetal position and died in his prison. The other one exercised and 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 kept his body active. And they asked him at the end, he goes, I knew one day I'd be rescued. He had hope. And hope gave him life. Hope gave him purpose. Hope gives you focus. So this morning, I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit just comes and breathes on us. Just, uh, if you want, I know Pastor David, I absolutely believe it too. Just Lift your hands in in a receiving position this morning. And I'm just going to ask, Holy Spirit, just come and breathe. You are the breath of life. In the beginning, you breathed and man became a living being. In the book of John, Jesus came And he literally breathed on his disciples. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Your breath. Lord, I'm asking that your breath come right now. And breathe on us.
just breathe on us. For some, it's, it's confirming that, that call. For some, it's restoring hope. For some, it's birthing a calling, birthing a hope, confirming a promise. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you come and you breathe upon us. Breathe upon us. Breathe upon us. Breathe upon us. And Lord God, we commit. We commit to that five minutes to starting our day. For some of us, it's us, it's more. But Lord, we commit to start five minutes every day. Focus on you. Asking your Holy Spirit to come and breathe on us. Asking that, that our eyes will be open the spirit of wisdom and understanding, and that our eyes will be open and there'll be a revelation every morning of your calling, of your hope, so that we can join you fulfilling your eternal purpose. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. God bless you.